From a serpent-infested aircraft 20,000 feet in the air, it's the IGN Digigods. Now, please welcome two men who've had it with these mother-effing snakes on this mother-effing plane, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh, Bob, our listeners are so hip. Which one of them gave us that gem? Jason Kroons. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Yes, thank you, Jason. Love it. Uh, you know, before we get into the show, Mark, I, I need to uh, uh, address a certain thing that kind of impacts us in a crossover way. I, of course, have not been on Stupid for Movies for a number of weeks, and there are all kinds of ridiculous rumors floating around. I need to put them to rest. So I'm, this is not a uh, this is not a, a Paul is dead no no type no no because no. well there are, there are people who are like oh well he's uh, he's doing the DVD podcast why isn't he on stupid for movies uh, and and here's honestly I'm going to be posting a statement to the uh, the stupid for movies Facebook page and it will be addressed uh, on the on the next stupid for movies show as well um, just for personal reasons I uh, my time has become uh, severely handicapped uh, my time not just to do stupid for movies but to actually see newer films as opposed to the DVDs which I can do at home but for reviewing newer films you know it's a time consuming pursuit we have screenings in the evening sometimes in the afternoon sometimes two and three of them backed up you got to go there there's drive time you know severe commute time sometimes in heavy traffic and uh, all of that then on top of that is the you know the Thursday night studio for movies it's a live show it's got to be done on a certain certain day the movies have to be seen by that day and uh, you know, for personal reasons, I've, I've, a whole lot of things have been going on that I'm just unable to maintain that schedule at the moment. Could change in the future. Hopefully will change again. It's a little bit out of my control, but until I can sort it all out, uh, I'm, I'm going to be in absentia from Stupid for Movies. So it, uh, it's going to be, you know, a little while at least uh, before there's any uh, indication whether or not I can come back to the show. So in the meantime, I can continue to do the podcast. And I will continue to do the podcast. Stupid for Movies and actual uh, regular box office reviews are going to be fewer and further between. Uh, I will probably still be able to show up on KPCC once a month. Uh, that's probably still manageable, although that remains to be seen depending on uh, what the commitment is. So I'm still going to be there. I'm still going to be active in social media. And I'm still going to be here on this podcast. I've just got to scale back the schedule a little bit. It's, uh, it's become a little too time-consuming. Well, when it comes to uh, your participation in Stupid for Movies, let yep. me just say uh, good riddance. Thank you. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, uh, I will go on. Yes. And we're trying to— And I uh, support you wholeheartedly. And I support you wholeheartedly in no longer doing the show. Thank you. So we support each other wholeheartedly yes, we in do. our doing and not doing of the show. Uh, but as you know, a couple weeks ago, we uh, had Brent Simon sit in, and then last week we had uh, Luke Thompson sit in. They were both terrific. Both good friends of mine. And they, they, uh, did, they did bravely. Yes, they did. Although, yes. uh, I don't know if you saw this, but on Brent's show, one of the light towers almost It almost killed him. Yes. It, it, it almost killed both of us, actually. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, not really. Okay, maybe not. After 50 shows, someone almost died. And I wasn't there. You were not there? Yeah. Uh, so we it's are amazing what telekinesis can do, isn't it? <laughs> You just want the whole thing to go down. It was in flames. <laughs> so we are currently trying to find a, uh, a fill-in host, someone who could maybe segue into a permanent host yeah. uh, now. And I'm reaching out to a bunch of uh, LAFCA members. And obviously, as Wade is saying, you know, when you're a film critic, it really is, although it seems like a lot of fun, and, and it is, it is a time commitment. And not it everybody is. can see all the movies that are necessary to see come out to the streaming garage Thursdays at 8 to come do the show. So really, you... If, the bottom line is that Mike wound up getting 
the two either best critics for this particular project, Wade and I, or the two dumbest suckers for yeah. the project, Wade and I. So it was really inevitable that at some point, you know, if we were going to keep going on, especially for no money, somebody would have to eventually bow out. Uh, and Wade has, uh, you know, Wade knows that uh, he has my support no matter what he chooses to do. And uh, I, 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 I'm all on board with him uh, taking and, off. And either way, I'm not vanishing. I'll still show up in the in the chat rooms and uh, and thereabouts, and uh, I will still be in the mix. It's uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I, I have to. Uh, there's some low lying fruit that simply has to has to drop off the tree. And uh, seeing a lot of the movies that make me valid on stupid for movies have to be part of that fruit, which unfortunately drags stupid for movies with it. So. That being said, let's get into the wonderful world of DVD and Blu-rays. Uh, Wait, I have, a, I have a quiz for you. Hit me with the quiz. This isn't much of a quiz because you should know the answer. Uh, as of um, this moment, and when I say this moment, I mean uh, May 1st. Yes. Number one selling Blu-ray of all time. Now, I'm going to give you three options. Yes. And you tell me which one it is. Okay. This is not much of a challenge. Okay. But I'm going to go there anyway. That's fine. Is it the number one slain Blu-ray of all time? Not rental. Okay. Sales. Uh, let's see. Is it uh, The Dark Knight? Okay. Is it uh, Avatar? Okay. Or is it uh, Inception? I'm going to say it's... Um, wow, there's two Christopher Nolan films in there. Uh, I'm going to say it's iCarly Season 4 Part 1. What? Uh, I, I'm going to say Avatar. Uh, that's because it is Avatar. Yeah. The number one selling Blu-ray of all time. Now, uh, there's some good Blu-rays coming up in the near uh, future, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them not being Limitless. Ah. Bradley Cooper. By the way, you know, Bradley Cooper speaks French. I'm going to have to uh, powwow with him at some point. I've got to find out why. Why he that's speaks pretty, French? Yeah. I, I had read somewhere that he, he lived in uh, France for a year. For I want to know where he lived. I've I got to uh, bond with him over that. That helps. I don't know what to make of that guy. Do I like him? Bradley Cooper? Do he's like a very him? nice guy. I think he's a decent actor in the right part. I think they're trying to turn him into the kind of star he's not fit to be. Yeah. Uh, it's something that happens. You know, it, that happened to um, well, it happens to a lot of actors and actresses when they'll get one hit, and then suddenly their people think, oh, they're a gold mine. Uh, it, it, it just, it, and you can't necessarily translate that super mega success from one very fortunate film into a huge uh, star vehicle lifetime but a lot, they try it all the time Bradley Cooper's uh, been sucked into that uh, Ellen Page was sucked into that for a moment I think that's cooled off a little bit you know they tried to make her the next hottest thing of all time um, they tried it with uh, what's her name uh, uh, Alicia Silverstone that is true and you, you, yeah, I mean it, 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 that, that didn't fly I never found Matt Damon to be that guy but somehow he became that guy like, he did the Bourne yeah, films. But, I but can't he, see him as being a super spy thriller leading man, Harrison Ford. Uh, yeah, it, true, but but Bradley Cooper is not uh, Matt Damon. No. He, he's not that kind of actor. No. Bradley Cooper is the guy who played the buddy in movie after movie after movie for a long time and then uh, got the hangover, and you know the hangover kind of made people think maybe he's a leading man. I don't think he's a leading man. Uh, I think he's still. I think he's great in ensembles. I think there may be uh, a dimension to him that we haven't seen yet in something else, uh, but we'll see. The only decent Blu-ray coming out uh, in July, well, not the only one, but one of the better ones, is Amelie. Oh wow! Excellent, outstanding. That should make a great Blu-ray. Amelie. 
because it is so amazingly well shot. It is as it's you a know. gorgeous film. Now, Wade, uh, here's the thing. Um, um, uh, at some point, I'm going to eat uh, two of your uh, uh, two of these cookies that were baked by your wife. That's right. She's Who? being she's being very very nice to me. She's yes, usually she not is. nice to me. <laughs> now, why, why? How come today? Uh, she's just, she made some cookies last night, and uh, she said, "Here, take these to Mark." Oh, she, kn- she knows that you like cookies. You know what I made this morning? What'd you make? This has nothing to do with. Huh. I have discovered that I love cooking. Well, good for I'm you. not saying I'm good at it, but I love cooking. It's fun, isn't it? It's great. It's therapeutic. Every weekend, I make something. I, I, I Look, I love cooking. Let me tell you something. Before we get into DVDs and Blu-rays, we've already chewed up eight <laughs> minutes of the show without talking about a single title. Uh, and we've got a ton to deal with, tons of movies. But uh, i got to tell you something. Uh, I've got, uh, we, we've got tons of cookware. A lot of great cookware out there. I'm going to plug only one cookware brand because we just bought a new pan of this other brand of cookware. I'm in love, passionately in love. Demeyer, D-E-M-E-Y-E-R-E. It's Belgian. They've been around for over 100 years. It is spectacular. I want to make love to this cookware. Let me guess. I guarantee you that the smallest saucepan they make is $150. Uh, The 8-inch frying pan is $200. You see, here's your problem. Your problem (laughs) is that you think if it's more expensive, it's better. No, honestly, this was like, this was such a joy to cook on. It was such a joy to clean up. It was incredible. It was the most magnificent piece of metal I've ever handled. And there's a special line, the John Pawson line, which is designed by the British architect John Pawson, which is just beautiful beyond belief. The John Pawson line of Demeyer cookware. You will never find anything more beautiful or more fun in your life. It's a pan. It's so beautiful. I I remember... And I, oh. I can't believe I just, I just flashed on this. I remember an um, when, they, when they relaunched. Show. I know when they relaunched Star Trek: The Next Generation, like in the mid '90s or whatever yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, '90s. Or, it was like '87, '94, something like that. I remember them seeing an interview about designing the 24th century. Yes. And now everything they design has to be 24th centuryized. Yes. And the production designer and the prop people were interviewed, and they said, you know what? We went back and forth on what things would look like in the 24th century. Yes. But after a while, a glass just has to hold water. Sure. It can't be. There is no 24th century glass. It yeah. just has to hold water. So they, some of the stuff, they just stopped trying to overdesign. Well, water or, or Tranya. This is Tranya. That's right. I hope you enjoy it as much as I. By the way, what did I make this morning? <laughs> Ask me. What did you make this morning? I made short rib jambalaya. Ooh, it sounds kind of cool and nasty. Oh, okay. It's great. The only thing is that the, uh, is that the rice was... We got, we got Blu-rays to talk about. No, no, hang on. I'm almost done. Okay. It, was, it, it was delicious, and it is delicious, and yeah. it'll be delicious again because I made a lot of it. Yeah. But the only problem is that the rice is, uh, is so undercooked, and I, I did it based on the recipe. Oh, no. You've got you to gotta get yourself a, uh, a Japanese rice cooker. Well, what I, what I, what I should have... There's some good ones out there. Well, what I should have done is... Here's, the, here's what the recipe didn't tell you. The recipe should have told you to cook the rice first and then put it into the jambalaya before yes. you bake it for the final 30 minutes. They didn't tell you that. Losing fans left and right. All right. I'm going to talk about a couple of these 3D uh, Blu-rays, and uh, then Mark is going to unleash on the baseball stuff that we have in store for I Father's love Day. My Mets, they're the oh best team ever. Oh my gosh, so much baseball stuff. We got a couple of 3D Blu-rays right here, and you know what? I am not going to rip on them, even though I rip on 3D routinely. I'm not going to rip on these, and they both come with um, uh, uh, also uh, 2D versions available. So if you don't want to watch them in 3D, you don't have to. Uh, the first one is Cirque du Soleil: Journey of Man in 3D, and you know what? Look, it, it it's Cirque du freaking Soleil. If you're going to watch something in 3D that's gimmicky, if you're going to use the 3D gimmick on something, you might as well watch something that is gimmicky just in concept. And Cirque du Soleil is freaking gimmicky beyond all belief. 
Uh, the uh, DP on this is Reed Smoot, who is a veteran and very, very good DP. If you don't know the name Reed Smoot, you don't follow cinematography. Uh, so it looks gorgeous. Now, this thing had a brief theatrical run and uh, did okay, but... You know, it almost, I think it almost plays better at home. Um, it, it, the 3D is, is actually surprisingly effective, but does it really enhance it? I don't know. I think it's fine in 2D. Uh, but it really is, uh, it's, kinda, it's kinda actually kind of cool. It's the, the whole Cirque du Soleil thing. It's not a filmed show. It's an actual movie. So they, they kind of took their, uh, their weirdness and their cheesiness and extended it into the world of movies. And then we also have the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit 2011 edition, the 3D experience. This was inevitable, wasn't it? Uh, taking the Sports Illustrated uh, sw- whole swimsuit concept. I mean, this thing is just, it started as a magazine when I was a kid, and now we've got 3D Blu-rays. It's not even enough. It went to VHS and then DVD 3D Blu-rays now. Uh, it is not pornographic, so just... So I'm not know, watching it. There you go. A lot of people are just going to write it off. No, honestly, this is this is not as lurid as people always make it out to be. It's uh, It's really good photography. It's great videography. And, uh, yeah, beautiful women in bikinis. I don't know anybody who's going to argue with that. Uh, the 3D part of it leaves a little bit to be desired. But, you know, you get the 3D and the 2D version in it. And if 3D is your thing, honestly, this is a whole lot better than watching, like, Up in 3D. Uh, so Oh, you know. you'll get up when you watch that in 3D. Uh, there we Ba-bam! go. Zing! Ba-bam! Where? Oh, we need a band. We need a rim shot for you when you do that one. Uh, all right, Mark, tell us about baseball. Father's Day. What can Dad look forward to? Well, we're talking baseball. Uh, here's what we have. A whole bunch of stuff. We will end with an unbelievable box set that you've just got to get your hands on. Uh, the first thing I'll talk about is a uh, – look, I'm a big Met fan. Everyone knows I'm a big Met fan. Sure. Went to all five games of the Met Yankee World Series. That's really impressive. Yes, I did for free. Yeah. By Good the way, you. I have a I have a fan brick embedded in the uh, in the in the horrible new stadium we have, City Field. Sweet. And yet uh, I would never buy talking baseball, the New York Mets. Why? Now, you know what? Here's the thing. This guy, Ed Randall, he's uh, spent his whole life in baseball, talking to baseball, celebrating the game. He's a huge fan. He's, he's like a guy's like a reporter, pretty much. He's a great interviewer. And here he interviews a whole bunch of great New York Mets, including Tom Seaver, my very first baseball hero, Keith Hernandez, first baseman for the 86 uh, Mets, Bob Murphy, and Ralph Kiner, who later, uh, latter was a player, later became, uh, they both later became Met broadcasters, Ron Darling, Howard Johnson, great people, interesting insights, fun stuff. I just feel like you've got to be a total Met completist to really want this. Now, this is volume one which covers basically the early years of the Mets. I'm sure um, in Volume 2, although I don't know this for a fact, in Volume 2 you'll get uh, maybe the latter years, like in 2000 when they made the World Series. Um, so, you know what? The interviews are great, terrific. If you're a total, complete, unbelievable Met completist, go for it, otherwise pass. Uh, Bottom of the Ninth is an interesting documentary from Chuck Braverman, and um, this is the uh, it's a documentary about... The New Jersey Somerset Patriots minor league baseball team. Now, people don't, you know, baseball is a little unique in that unlike football, where you go, let's say, from college to the pros. Yes. And unlike basketball, where you go, let's say, from college to the pros. It's not even high school to the pros sometimes in basketball. Yeah. In baseball, you go from college. Yes. You get drafted by a major league team. Yes. And you then go to the minor leagues. Yeah. You go to the single A. Graduate to double A. Right. Graduate to triple A. Play in the farm leagues. Play in the farm leagues. Yeah. So baseball has that, has those sometimes years of uh, these players that they just play in the minor. Some of them never leave the minor leagues. Some of them never make the major leagues. Some of them make the major leagues for three games 
and it's the greatest three days of their life, and then they go back down to the minors, and that's it. Well, you know, the NBA has the D-League, which is similar. Um, no, nah, no but, one talks about the D-League. That's true. So, um, so this is the story of the uh, New Jersey Somerset Patriots, and these are guys, some of them are lifers, some of, their, some of them are just that close to making it to the show, and, you know, you, you hear some of these uh, minor league players, uh, they make no money. They really don't. They make no money. They pack their own bags. They carry them out to the, the to the bus, and they're driving down the down the lonely highway from from game to game, and they just love you know. And the difference between AAA and the major leagues is unbelievable. All of a sudden, someone else is carrying your luggage. You're on a chartered plane. You know, you get treated like royalty. There's fifty thousand screaming fans. It's it's really amazing. You know, these people they have these dreams and they never let it go, and that's part of the fun of bottom of the ninth. So um, this is good stuff, and it features uh, Sparky Lyle and uh, John Montefusco, and uh, who are former major leaguers. And that's good stuff. Um, sixty one. This is the Blu-ray of sixty one. This is the um, Barry Pepper Thomas Jane film that um, is all about uh, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris trying to. Uh, uh, beat Babe Ruth's 1927 single-season home run record. And uh, the audio commentary by, is by Billy Crystal, who also directed the film, because Billy Crystal, as I'm sure you know, is a huge uh, baseball fan and a huge Yankee fan, but we'll forgive him for that. By the way, Seinfeld, Met fan. Just saying. Really? I didn't know that. Seinfeld is a huge Met fan. Actually, awesome. Seinfeld is not, not only a huge Met fan, he spent like, he spent like literally like $5 million for like, 10 years of a box in City Field. He's got a box in City Field for like 10 years that he spent $5 million on. No kidding. And there was a big controversy uh, earlier this year because one of the days that Seinfeld wasn't there, yeah. some dignitary showed up to the stadium or yeah. some mucky muck, Sure. and there was no place for this guy to sit. He was a big mucky muck. Right. So they just, they just had him sit in Seinfeld's box, yeah. which is not proper. Seinfeld paid for that box, and you just can't put people in the box without telling them. Wow. And it was kind of a big deal. And he was a big mucky muck. I, I can't remember who it was. As opposed to a muck biggie big. As opposed to a small mucky muck. Anyway, 61 okay. is a good film. You know what? Uh, Billy Crystal has a real love of the game, and uh, these were inter- it was an interesting time in uh, Major League Baseball. I still feel like 61 stands. I think everyone since that time who has actually gotten more than 61, all three of those steroid-injected jerks, uh, I think their records should be eviscerated. I do. do you really? Seriously, I do. I honestly do. I I, mean, Barry, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, and uh, Mark McGuire. I, as far as I'm concerned, all three of them. They all, the only way they managed to beat uh, 61 was by juicing up to an unbelievable degree. And you look at Roger Maris. I, I'm sorry, he was a slightly built guy. They, they all were. All, they all were. All those Mickey, guys. Ma- Mickey during Mantle. That era? All of them. Hank Aaron for crying out loud. Hank Aaron had a belly. He had a belly. The guy, the guy hit his, like, 700 and whatever at the uh, home run, and he had a little old belly trotting around the bases. Babe Ruth was fat, not, not juicing, not steroidal. Fat. Fat. So what are you saying? Uh, I don't know. That he was fat? Uh, two more things from the baseball front. Uh, when It Was a Game is available on Blu-ray. And this is an interesting thing. This is an HBO documentary, which um, it tells the story of baseball from around the late... 20s, kind of like the Depression era, uh, through the 50s. So really, this is sort of the pre-war, through the war, and um, right up through Jackie Robinson in 47. And this is a terrific documentary because you get all these great Hall of Fame players, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Ty Cobb, Joe DiMaggio, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Sandy Koufax. 
And, uh, you know, there's some great old footage here that I don't think you guys have seen in decades. I know I haven't seen it. So it was great to see that stuff again. You know, Ebbets Field and Briggs Stadium, Crosley Field. Just great old stadiums that they just don't make them anymore. Um, and when it was the games, it's a, it's a good documentary. It really is. It's, uh, it was an interesting time in, in, in America. And it was back when baseball was the patriotic game. You know, America was baseball. And the thing is that it's not that way anymore. You know, football really is America's game at this point. Uh, but when you're talking about the Depression era and the war and after the war, um, uh, baseball was America's game. And uh, this is back when that was could not have been truer. When It Was a Game is a very good documentary. It's on Blu-ray. You know, why, uh, For, you why know, not? So, you know, so some of the footage is so vintage that it doesn't need to be on Blu-ray, but it is. You're making a soccer lover uh, almost feel teary-eyed for baseball. No, you're not. Yeah. Um, by the way, can I just say that I, I went to this party last night, right? Uh-oh. And, uh, was it one of those parties? No, no, no. no People exactly. taking their clothes off? Yes, it was a key party. Air mattresses? <laughs> Water beds? Yeah. Um, uh, no, uh, and one of the guys there was from South Africa. Oh. So he's talking about uh, football, soccer. Yeah. You know. And just because I don't really know, I, I say to him, I, 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 go, I don't understand the whole league thing. There's the Premier League. There's the Championship League. There's oh, the, it, no, it does there's get the World Cup League. And I say, can you explain it to me? He goes, it's very simple. And then an hour and a half later, he finishes explaining it. And I still don't know what the hell he's talking about. I don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't. Uh, In baseball, there's two leagues, American and National. I, I can explain it as well, but it ain't that simple. It really isn't. I mean, it, it's sort of simple. It's uh, club. There's club teams. There's conferences, there's national teams, and then there are a lot of tournaments that crisscross all of them. The World Series um, film collection if from... Um... Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. This, this is unbelievable. This is the big Like, one. if anybody gives this to their dad, the dad will just keel over backwards. So, <laughs> so if you love your dad, don't give him the official Major League Baseball World Series film collection. This is, this is Hall of Fame stuff, dude. This is good. And this the price is of this thing is is all it's all over the map on the internet. You know, on at Borders, this thing's two hundred dollars. On Amazon, it's fifty eight ninety nine. Isn't that bizarre? That is bizarre. I mean, how, is, how does Borders expect to make any money? This is twenty discs that assembles uh, highlights from World Series between uh, nineteen forty three and two thousand eight. So this is a monumental set. It has sixty six World Series films, followed by Bob Costas, who we all know and love. By the way, Bob Koss was born in Comac, where I lived until I was 10. Thank you very much. Uh, 50 hours of, of newly restored, digitized uh, footage, a 58-page World Series pictorial uh, retrospective. I mean, this is amazing stuff. 20 discs. I mean, the first disc is you're starting with the 43 Yankees, uh, the 44 Cardinals, and then you're making it all the way to uh, the last disc, which is the Red Sox uh, second World Series win in 2007 and uh, the 2008 Phillies. And this is unbelievable. This is so much stuff. This runs, this is like soup to nuts. It is big and heavy and beautiful and looks amazing. And uh, it is just gorgeous. The official Major League Baseball World Series collection. All I can say is get it on uh, the Amazon. It's 58 bucks. Totally. <laughs> like, Seriously. I mean, it's, it's at least over $100 everywhere else. And it's also a gr- you can probably use. Don't this say as a- it's a door stopper. No, I'm not. I was oh. going to say it would make it, it's like a great cornerstone for a skyscraper too. It really is. This thing is huge and heavy. <laughs> it is huge and heavy. Gosh, I could beat you over the head, but, but, but it is put you in the hospital. It is very impressive. It is. Uh, quick music note here: ACDC. Yeah. Let, let there be rock. 
You don't you don't like ACDC. Not particularly. Although I did enjoy when I was a kid singing along to uh, that that one song. Uh, uh, dirty Knees and the Bumblebees? No, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Oh, see, I oh, always no. thought it was Dirty Knees and the Bumblebees. Yeah, you're mine. That's, I, I credit our friend Mark Jaffe with that. Not funny. Yeah, it's not funny, but it's uh, kind of funny. Anyway, there's a DVD of it, uh, ACDC, Let There Be Rock. Just a regular old, uh, you know, 13 classic songs yeah, on a DVD. you want the Blu-ray. Oh, this is, yeah. Now, this is from their 1979 Paris concert. Uh, now, ACDC... You know, this is the Blu-ray DVD combo pack, which is a tin, which is awesome and huge, and it's just so much more intimidating than the, the regular old run-of-the-mill DVD. So get the combo. 30th anniversary of the legendary concert film. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, ACDC, as you know, uh, they're Australian. They're not American, but... Uh, in 1979, they played uh, Paris. They played Highway to Hell, a whole lot of Rosie, Let There Be Rock, and uh, Angus Young with his schoolboy outfit. And uh, it's just... Great. The only issue with the Blu-ray, it's not an issue. I mean, look, this is a really old footage, and there's only so much Blu-ray is going to do with it. There's only so much Blu-ray is going to add to the to the experience of watching a 30-year-old film. So I wouldn't necessarily buy the Blu-ray thinking that you're going to get, uh, you know, amazing, uh, amazing video. The audio is very good. The audio is great. There's a uh, there's a lossless DTS HD uh, Master Audio 5.1 mix. And uh, the original mix is in Dolby 2.0, which is fine, but you definitely got to go with the Master Audio 5.1, which sounds fantastic. And uh, there's some great collectible bonuses. There's a 32-page uh, liner notebook, um, a souvenir guitar pick, uh, collector's cards, which are stupid, and uh, it's good stuff. So and it's also like a collectible tin. And there's a bunch of bonus features too. Totally. So I, I even though the Blu-ray doesn't give you much because it's such an old, it's such old footage, go ahead and get the Blu-ray. There we go. I'm eating a cookie now. Do it. Eat a cookie. I'm going to blow through I some. I like uh, cookies. Where are we on our uh, Someone send me their favorite cookie recipe. I'll make it and eat it on the show. All right. We are not yet halfway through the show. We're, we're starting to pick up. We're, we're making up for lost time. I got some foreign language films I'm going to blow through here. You mm-hmm. got to get yourself some of these. This is, uh, if you love yourself, some De Sica. Let, thank you to E1. E1 is coming out with some really good stuff. This is Vittorio De Sica. Vittorio De Sica, as in the one who made Umberto bicycle D thieves. and the Bicycle Thieves. And uh, all that. it's the Bicycle Thieves, not the Bicycle Thief. Mistranslation. Can I, can I tell you something? Yeah. When I found that out, yeah. I was disappointed. you know why? Why? Because The Bicycle Thief, better title. It is, but they're, they're multiple guys. Because you guys. think The Bicycle Thief is the guy who stole the bike yeah, but at the beginning? It turns out The Bicycle Thief is him. There you go. That's, that's, uh, it's, uh, that's ironical. I, that's I a guess. That's a twist. Good cookie, right? It is a good cookie. Yeah. You know why it's a good cookie? Why? It has a little bit of salt. Oh, there you go. So, I'll let her know. The Oscar-winning uh, Vittorio De Sica film, Shoeshine. Uh, one of the great classics of neorealism, even though he is better known, obviously, for The Bicycle Thieves slash Thief or Umberto D. Uh, Shoeshine is the one that got him an Oscar, and uh, wow, it's beautiful. It is just so beautiful. I wish it were on Blu-ray. Alas, it is not. It's just out on DVD. So eventually, so in the meantime, you got to get it on DVD. Uh, beautiful black and white. Terrific audio commentary with uh, writer Bert Cardulo. Who um, it's a it's a good commentary, you know. It's it's not brilliant, it's not, but it's scholarly and it's intelligent. And it fills in all the blanks that you would necessarily want. Um, this is the story of a couple, you know, like all of these things. It's about poverty and class distinctions in in, a, in an Italy as it tries to rebuild after World War II. And uh, this is about a couple of kids, uh, a couple of street kids in Rome, Giuseppe and Pasquale, who uh, shine Ameri- the the shoes of American soldiers, and uh, that's their job. That's how they get by, and. Uh, can I have another 50 of these cookies? Uh, yeah, I can. I'll, I'll, I'll put the order in. 
Anyway, they wind up basically being uh, sent to a juvenile hall center because for, that's what it is. If it tastes like it has um, maybe butterscotch chips or something or toffee chips. Toffee, yes. That's the salt. There you go. Awesome. Anyway, they get sent to this uh, juvenile uh, facility for uh, you know doing something for allegedly having done something that they really didn't do, and it's it's just all about their their horrible, horrible, miserable neorealist struggle. It is a beautiful, poetic, wonderful film. Blows by ninety one minutes. You got to get this. It's just absolutely beautiful. Very very good transfer from E one, uh, and also beautiful from last year. Is beautiful, as in B I E B I U T I F U L. Beautiful, uh, which stars Javier Bardem, directed by uh, the amazing uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, who did Babel and uh, Twenty One Grams and uh, Amores Perros mm-hmm. and. He's just—he's uh, such a wonderful filmmaker. Yeah, and, but uh, this is the first time he's—he's he's working without his longtime uh, writing partner. Exactly, which is—which is why you don't get all of the intertwined stories. It's one continuous story with uh, Javier Bardem basically as a, a guy who's kind of you know a shady character uh, who is running an illicit business in Barcelona, and uh, he's trying to raise his kids, and then on top of that, he gets diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, the, 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 there's something really morally interesting in the fact that you're asking the audience to sympathize with a guy who has so many mixed moral trajectories. He's, uh, you know, he, he's breaking the law. He's hiring illegal immigrants. He's not the nicest guy in the world, but he is a good dad. But does he really deserve to get cancer? And all of that puts you into an emotional place that is very, very difficult to deal with. It is, uh, it is a gritty difficult, hard film to watch, but man, uh, Bardem is so unbelievably good in it. And you know why he's amazingly good in this? You may not have known this. Did you know they shot this film in sequence? You know, I might have read that somewhere. It sounds familiar. They shot it in sequence. In Which other is words... a great choice. I mean, well, you have to. How can you make those emotional swings that's the back thing. and forth and back and forth that's and back the and thing. forth? That's the thing. But from, from a logistical standpoint, that means that, you know, you literally... Let's say there's a scene where Bardem is, is, is in the bathroom and he's, he's, like, crying in front of the mirror. That means that day you go to the, that location, you, you shoot the scene in the scene in the mirror, and then rather than shoot all the rest of the scenes that you have in that location, you pack up the whole crew and you go all the way across Barcelona to shoot the next shot, which could be just an insert shot at the, like the, the fountain with the seagulls. You know? <laughs> and then you go back to the same location where the bathroom was. That's a lot of moving the company moves. That's right. That's expensive. And that's expensive. And this, that's why this little film was $21 million. You know, but uh, it, it works. The performance speaks for itself. It is unbelievable. He won uh, Best Actor at Cannes for this. This is on Blu-ray, and uh, what a gorgeous Blu-ray it is from uh, Lionsgate. It is. Uh, it, it just really is. It it, ca- it retains the graininess, uh, that urgent, grainy, gritty uh, look, but it gives it that Blu-ray sheen. It's like the perfect balance. Lionsgate did a great job with this. Uh, you get the director's flip notes on this, uh, cast and crew interviews, trailer, nothing much uh, by way of extras, but uh, what a film it is. And then uh, from Criterion, yay, Criterion finally gives a Blu-ray of Solaris. We love Tarkovsky's Solaris, at least I do. It is uh, an existential, intellectual, thinking man's super pretentious version of 2001 from 1972 based on the uh, Stanislav Lem novel. Uh, Steven Soderbergh also did a version of it. Lem himself uh, hated this film and uh, I I believe was none too fond of uh, uh, Soderbergh's film either. Uh, Lem is kind of a, he's a cranky Polish science fiction author who just thinks uh, everybody's all screwed in the head. He hates everyone, but he writes good stuff. And Tarkovsky's Solaris is is a, is a great film. It's an unbelievable film. 
Um, much more all-encompassing than the Soderbergh film. The Soderbergh film is entirely in space. This one has a, an extended sequence on the Earth that uh, begins in almost Terence Malick territory. Uh, really interesting. There is an incredible commentary on here by uh, scholars Vita Johnson and Graham Petrie, uh, who are uh, you know Tarkovsky experts, and they just I learned stuff that I never thought ever I would know about this film. And then there's also a little excerpt from a documentary about Lem himself, uh, which is interesting. Uh, Video interviews with some of the people who were involved in the film, actors, composer, uh, cinematographer, and uh, just a a fabulous Blu-ray transfer, for crying out loud. It is absolutely terrific. Uh, Tarkovsky, one of the great visualists of all time. The original DVD is terrific, and the Blu-ray is even better. Go get some. And then lastly, the Sophia Loren Award Collection. This is a trio of terrific Blu-rays for anyone who loves Sophia from Lorber Films. Uh, that is part of the Kino Lorber entity. Uh, in other words, it's from the Lorber Library, but Kino is releasing them on Blu-ray. And if you've seen any of the uh, Buster Keaton stuff that Kino has been releasing, you know their Blu-rays rock. They are totally awesome, and uh, these are no different. Uh, now, the films themselves, are it, it's kind of a mixed bag. Now, the films themselves are, uh, all three of these are directed by Vittorio De Sica as well, but they're not in the same neorealist vein uh, that we were just talking about. Uh, the first one here is Sunflower, which is a straight-up melodrama with uh, Sofia Loren and Marcello Mastroianni. This is kind of De Sica doing a, a job for hire, and um, you know, it's got Henry Mancini music, for crying out loud. You know. I didn't even know they were properly introduced, uh, De Sica and like, Mancini. But that, you don't normally think of like a, a De Sica film. You wouldn't imagine any Henry, music, any music, <laughs> really? much less Henry Mancini music. Uh, it's a little, it, you know, this is a melodrama. It's not a neorealist film. It is a straight-up melodrama, and it's just for people. Forget about the De Sica aspect. It's just if you love Mastroianni and Loren, and you want to see a classic Italian pairing and, and sweeping music. Uh, go check it out. Now, one key reason that this is uh, this all happened was because one of the producers on this was Carlo Ponti and the other was Arthur Cohn. Now, Arthur Cohn is a legend, a legendary Hollywood fixture, and Carlo Ponti, of course, it was Sophia Loren's husband. Uh, and, uh, you know, he got done whatever he wanted to get done. He got David Lean to do uh, uh, Bridget, uh, uh, Dr. Zhivago, so he gets, he gets whatever he wants. Uh, marriage Italian style is also Loren and Mastroianni, but this is a legitimate classic and uh, a, a, a huge, pop, hugely popular film. Uh, De Sica gets to kind of be more of himself with this. It, it, but it's not, again, not neorealist, but it's unbelievably funny, so incredibly witty and biting. Uh, it's, uh, it, it gets into a lot of those um, kind of illicit moral quandaries that you get in Italian films and French films. Very, very funny. Uh, very kind of edgy in a way that Hollywood films just, uh, they just didn't have the courage to at the time. And then lastly is uh, Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. Once again, Loren and Mastroianni uh, doing, uh, you know, their very best for De Sica. This was uh, also an Academy Award winner in 1964, although I don't really understand why. I am not a huge fan of this. I, uh, I think it's kind of forced, and I think everybody gave this thing an Oscar just because they thought, you know, why not? Uh, it's, you know, let, let's just honor their careers. Um, all three of these look terrific on Blu-ray, but what's really, really good, the only thing that I think makes Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow uh, really appealing, as opposed to the others, is it has an, it's a two-disc set, and it has the feature documentary uh, Vittorio D on it, which is um, you know, actually better than Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. It's all about you know, uh, De Sica and why he's important. So, um, 
pretty good. And uh, one thing about this, uh, there's kind of a, if you're a fan of uh, uh, Pret-a-Porter, the Altman film, there's actually a reference in that film to a scene in Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. I don't like Pret-a-Porter particularly. I'm not a huge fan of Yesterday, and T- Today, and Tomorrow, but, you know, there it is. All right, Mark. Excuse me. Let's, um, new movies. Let's blow through them. What? Well, hold on here. Because there's, there's like new movies and then there's classic movies on uh, DVD. So let me let me get into some of the classic stuff. Um, yeah, d- d- I'll let you sort through which of those because we're, we're not going to get through all of this. So I we'll this one. Yeah, I know you do. All right, the man who would be king in a Blu-ray disc uh, from Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers uh, loves their little Blu-ray book deals. Sean Connery has a funny mustache in that movie. Yes, he does with the lamb chops and everything. You know what? He and uh, Michael Caine have always been best friends. They're really tight friends, and Michael Caine's career is now soaring again, and Sean Connery's isn't. But you know what? Uh, this is a terrific film directed by John Huston. Great epic adventure about a couple of rogues who are uh, also Freemasons, and uh, the whole thing takes place primarily in Afghanistan, which is hysterical because it just feels so incredibly uh, prescient. Uh, not Prussian, but prescient. Great. I would say prescient. Is it not prescient? prescient? I guess is prescient. It, I don't know. Is it prescient or prescient? I've heard people say Prussian. Prussian. I think they're idiots. Okay. But I've heard it. A great score by Maurice Jarre. Uh, special features include just the uh, trailer and the, fe- and the featurette, the original featurette. But gosh, what a great transfer. I mean, really, it just glows. And this thing always was a crappy DVD. I don't know if I said that when we reviewed the DVD, but I'm going to say it now. It was a crappy DVD. The transfer never looked right. If you've seen this film projected, you know how it looks, and it, it, it just, it, it, the Blu-ray does it justice. Beautiful justice. What else we got, Mark? Oh, oh I, you love that movie. I don't love that movie. Well, we'll get to it in a second. Uh, well, the one I want to talk about is True Grit. Now, when True Grit, uh, the remake, uh, came out, everybody thought that True Grit was going to save the movie-going season. Back up the awards truck, it was going to be True Grit because last year was such an awards-lousy yeah. uh, awards season. Dog. It was a dog season. And it turns out that True Grit wind up, yeah, when, when everybody saw the when all the critics saw the film, all the, all the tastemakers, of which, uh, believe it or not, Wade and I are actually... Two, Incredibly. <laughs> two tiny cogs in the taste-making machine as members of LAFCA. We saw the film and said, good? It doesn't fine. save the year. It's fine. Uh, but yet it wound up being nominated for 65 Oscars. <laughs> it, it was kind of bizarre. And I loved yeah. Haley Steinfeld. I, lo- I was no, so she, happy she got nominated. You know so what? She, the, she makes the film. Everybody thought it was going to be the Bridges thing, that he just won an Oscar and he's back with the Coens and he's going to kind of do a, a post-Oscar impersonation of the dude in the Wild West and it's going to be like the big Lebowski meets some kind of a Wyatt Earp thing. That's what everybody sort of thought. It'll be like the big Earpbowski. No, it, it, it wasn't. And it wound up being the Haley Steinfeld show. Which it's is amazing great. when she's up there with Matt Damon and Jeff Bridges post Oscar and Josh Brolin, and yet it's Haley Steinfeld who who steals the show. I mean, she's amazing, and, and that's no small accomplishment because the original film it was almost Kim Darby who stole the show from John Wayne. Well, Kim Darby, that see that was the thing. You know, John Wayne in the original he won his only Oscar for yeah. it, and he's a little over the top. It's a bit of a silly movie, quite frankly. But Kim Darby is great in it. Terrific, and. I don't know who – I couldn't imagine who they would have gotten to I know. live up to that. I know, because, because you look at it and you think, well, fine, Jeff Bridges, he'll, he'll, he'll do his own thing and they won't compare him to Wayne, and it'll probably be better than Wayne. It'll be different from Wayne, but who's the girl going to be? But the I, one know, thing, it all hinges on the girl, and man, did they get a good girl. The one thing they, they did right was they went back to the original uh, source material, Charles uh, Portis's novel, and they took a lot of uh, 
dialogue from that, and this dialogue is just so just delicious. It's great dialogue. It is. It, it is. Every line just feels so authentic and terrific. Yes, it's it got is. a great score by one of my favorite composers, Carter Burwell. And uh, this is a uh, two-disker. This is a Blu-ray on one with a bunch of um, special features, including one on Charles Portis, which is a terrific little. Uh, it's, it's a terrific little watch. And the other one is the DVD. So I think I'll put this over here. Bravo, baby. Yeah. Uh, we have we've got. Uh, I have all these. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I I, I want we'll we'll go th- we'll we'll alternate here. Fine. You know the, uh, the there's a great Marx Brothers box set out from Universal, uh, which I recommend. Just just there's there's a couple of Marx Brothers box sets. Universal has several of these films. They have a box set that includes all five of these movies I'm going to mention. Well, these I, are all the Paramount ones, right? These uh, are all Paramount. This is all Universal. All Universal. This is the Universal because they made because the, they made. Coconuts, Animal Crackers, Monkey Business, Horse yes. Feathers, they made for Paramount. For Paramount. Right, but the, the, there was, there's a bankruptcy in there. Ooh. And a chunk of the Paramount Library, it was the Paramount Publix with an X corporation. Uh, a large chunk of that library wound up in Universal's hands after the bankruptcy. I'm not familiar. I mean, it was like 1930-something when it all happened. And there was a reorganization, and so that's why a big chunk of Paramount's catalog from the 30s uh, has wound up in Universal's hands today. Ain't that as Interesting trivia. No, it's not. Anyway, uh, the films I'm talking about are Duck Soup, Animal Crackers, Horse Feathers, Coconuts, and Monkey Business. I love the Marx Brothers. Now, a night, a night at the Opera is my all-time favorite. It's not obviously in here. because He's going to get 11 years in Tenworth, or 10 <laughs> years in Leavenworth, whatever that's the hell great. it is. great. It's just so insanely funny. Uh, I love all these movies, and that's why I say just, just get all of them. You don't need to buy them one at a time, but they are now available individually. Finally, Universal decided, let's make them just one-offs. So they throw them out there as one-offs, but you've you got to get the box set, because there's no point in saying, you know what, I really like Monkey Business, but I'm not so fond of uh, Duck Soup. What are you, crazy? Crazy? They're, they're, that's the Marx Brothers. Oh, you, you want them all. Get them all for and, crying and out by, loud. By the, Monkey Business was written by S.J. Perelman, who's also a great, uh, for years, he was a great essayist for The New Yorker. Yeah. I actually just bought a... Uh, so good. I bought a, uh, a, a an anthology, a compendium of uh, Perelman's essays for The New Yorker. The guy is so funny, and he wrote Monkey Business. One morning, I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How I got in my pajamas, I'll never know. But I'm so fine. good. Gosh, it's so good. Anyway, um, yeah, just get them all. I mean, it's it's nice that they finally put them out, but th- these could these could do with a Blu-ray treatment as well. Universal, get on it. Yeah, get on that. We love the Marx Brothers. We also love another year. Another year is the uh, Mike Lee film. That uh, you know, here's how Mike Lee works. Mike Lee doesn't write scripts. He sort of uh, writes uh, very detailed sort of. The treatments and he workshops them with the actors and the actors and Mike Lee together they create the dialogue and shape the scenes and shape the overall arc of the piece and then Mike Lee goes off and writes the script based on that and this is uh, Jim Broadbent Leslie Manville and Ruth Sheen they're all just terrific um, and I like this film a lot it's a, a Broadbent and uh, Sheen playing sort I, of a happily I, married I couple I love this film I love this film I saw it twice in a week did you really? Yeah, they played. I love the, it. They uh, uh, Broadbent and Sheen play these. Uh, they've been married for like thirty years, and they're the anchor for the family and for the neighborhood and the friends around them. And this woman, played by Leslie Manville, who should have won an Oscar, should have been nominated for an Oscar, should have won something for this role. She's so good. She's that sort of sad sack kind of you know uh, spinster woman who shows up to their door with another story of woe, and she never, can never fall in love, and her car is breaking down, all this crazy stuff. And uh, it's all about what happens to this family over the course of a year 
and how people come and people go and people fall in and out of love. But the, this one family is always there as the anchor, and it's just great. And there's a commentary by Mike Lee, who's a testy little guy, but um, he's good in this uh, commentary. And there's a making up, which is fairly useless. But uh, it's on Blu-ray, which is, uh, you know, do you have to see it on Blu-ray? Uh, not really, but you know what? Uh, support Blu-ray and buy it. Sure. <gasps> What's that? This, well, here's What's the thing. What's that, Uncle Wade? Y- you know, here's the deal. Uh, they released the Rocky Undisputed Collection, MGM did, well, via Fox. You know, they're kind of doing their same deal, the MGM Fox Consortium. They released the Undisputed Collection back in late 2009. It was like November of 2009 when they late released all the Rocky movies on Blu-ray. Big, nice, beautiful, spankling, sparkling, spanking box set and now they're they're kind of peeling everything back and this is a this is an attempt at double dipping they've you know everybody's imitating the warner brothers blu-ray book concept where you get the blu-ray and then you get a nice little booklet that makes it somehow feel like it's okay that you spent 30 dollars on something that should cost 19 but uh the they have now released uh, the original rocky all by its limited little lonely self in a limited edition blu-ray with a booklet, uh, you know, photos and trivia and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, but really no extras. So what's the point? Um, I know a lot of people don't want all the Rocky films. They don't want Rocky Balboa and Rocky Five, and, <laughs> you know, they don't want Rocky Four and uh, I Would Break You and, awesome. uh, you know, Mr. T. And, uh, they, you know, they kind of want it. They just want the original Oscar winning film. Gotta tell you, in many respects, Rocky Two is a better movie than the original Rocky. And Rocky Three is terrific. It's freaking Mr. T for crying out loud. Clubber Lang, give me a break. He He's great. The fool. Eye of the Tiger. What's he, he, he pities all fools? Yeah, Eye of, the, Eye of the freaking Tiger. You know, come on, it's great. Uh, love it. So anyway, uh, get the box set if you're going to do anything. But you know, it's it, it ain't bad. I mean, if you just want the original Rocky and Blu-ray, this is a very nice package. It's it's very sweet and lovely. Um, this really has no extras. No, there's nothing. There's nothing. Get the box set. Box well, it has the book. Out. But yeah, I don't know what that whatever. gets you. Whatever. You, you, you thumb through it and then you're done. It's the movie. It's about the movie. Do I want this? Uh, no, not really. No. You want is the that, box set? Is that because you want it? No. It's about, it get the box set. Get the box set. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'll never get the box set. Why? Because I don't want to see Rocky 12. Sure plus you do. Plus you can give me that for free. Well, may, when's your birthday? It's like a month away, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah, something like that. Okay, uh, a couple of Adam Sandler movies uh, that uh, I'm fond of one of them, not fond of the other one. Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Now, uh, well, we, Mark just threw the other one at me, which is the new one, which is Just Go With It. Yeah, Just Go now, With we're, It. Well, we're gonna, let's, let's cover the old ones. Let's cover the old ones. The old ones are on Blu-ray now. Uh, Billy Madison is just an absolutely horrible, horrible movie. I think it's unbelievably unfunny. It's one of those man-child things that just doesn't work unless uh, Jerry Lewis is in it. But you got Tamara Davis, the director, doing a commentary and outtakes and deleted scenes and all the junk that was on the previous DVD edition. This is just one of those universal spit em out deals, as is Happy Gilmore. Though I think Happy Gilmore is funny because uh, Bob Barker is in it and he punches Adam Sandler and calls him a bitch. That, you know, that and that cool. alone is, is, is pretty unbelievably funny. I admit it. That's cool. It is. It's hysterical. It's very, very funny. Now, it's hard for me to admit that because that's, that's the only time you may ever hear me admitting that there is something funny in a Dennis Dugan film. That's it. This is the only time I've ever admitted that anything in a Dennis Dugan film is, eh, is funny. Otherwise, he's the worst. He's, the worst. he's just dreadful. Uh, again, deleted scenes and outtakes. Not a great Blu-ray. Uh, just f- spitting it out. The new film is Just Go With It, which is on Blu-ray and DVD, uh, together in a combo pack. Do you have to see it on Blu-ray? Not really. Do you have it, to see it at all? Not really. It, it's... 
it's also Dennis Dugan directed, as are a number of Adam Sandler's films. For some reason, he keeps going back to Dugan. I guess they have a good working relationship or something. But the, you know what this is? This is the cactus flower, for crying out loud. They just remade the cactus flower, which won Goldie Hawn an Oscar in 68 or 69, and uh, which is terrific, based on a great play. And it had Walter Matthau, you know, the whole idea of a doctor who's got, you know... He has to get his his uh, assistant to pretend that she's his wife so that he can, you know, try to seduce this sweet young thing. It's a, I mean, it's funny in the cactus flower. It doesn't work here. It just doesn't freaking work. It's not funny. Uh, Jennifer Aniston gives it a great college try. And, uh, and in the Goldie Hawn part, you have Brooklyn Decker, who really doesn't do anything differently than any other, you know, a- attractive blonde Hollywood ingenue would do. So don't, don't expect anything brilliant. Anyway, those are out there. All on Blu-ray. Beautiful. Mark, talk about that movie. You're such a fan of it. Wait, there's a movie out there. Yes. It's a movie unlike any movie you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that's good until it becomes bad. And that movie's called Rubber. Rubber is a, a film by a, a It's French, about a prophylactic, right? Uh, you know what? It may as, may as well have been. It is about a uh, car tire uh, roaming the desert, comes to life and kills people with his telekinetic powers. That is what rubber is about. Now you're saying, what do you mean it's about a car tire who comes to life and kills people with its telekinetic powers? You know what it's about, Wade? It's about a car tire that comes to life and kills people with its telekinetic powers. That's the movie. It is an 85-minute experiment <laughs> by a French guy named Quentin Depew. They, sh- they, sh- they shot this with 7Ds, did they? They shot this with 7D. They shot this on a 7D, and it's actually very it's, – it's, you know what? The, the way they anthropomorphize the tire is actually very clever. Yeah. And there's a lot of clever stuff in it. Um but I think it sort of outstays its welcome, and it's one of those things where it's basically just really well-executed nonsense. I, if anyone wants to wonder, what are the 7D, what are they talking about? 3D? Is it 3D with four more dimensions? No. Uh, 7D is, uh, for those of you who are uh, gear nerds— is, Actually, hmm. he shot it with a Canon 5D. Oh, he shot it with a 5D. But— Please go well, ahead. Well, anyway, just so that everybody knows, and I'm going to be doing more on this uh, later on. I'm, I'm kind of doing a behind-the-scenes thing, uh, which I want to fill our, our viewers in on, our viewers, our listeners, because a lot of you probably want to make your own stuff someday, and you want to know what the workflow is if you want to make your own DVDs. So I'm going to give it to you because our good friend Tim Cogshill and I have been doing a lot of experimenting lately uh, with digital workflow. And uh, the 5D and the 7D are Canon cameras. They are... Um, what's called uh, HDSLRs, which is that they are still cameras capable of shooting high-definition video, but they have the capability to shoot unbelievably good video with these great Canon lenses. So a lot of people are using the 5D and the 7D. The only thing that differentiates them is the size of the chip uh, and the cost, but the, uh, the 7D is amazing. The 5D is even more amazing. Uh, 7D will give you everything you need, but they, uh, they, they're shooting a lot of movies with these things now, and uh, it's, it, you get a great look out of them. I happen to, I happen to own a 7D, and it's quite a wealth. I've gotten a 5D if I had wealth. Um, we also have, we were just speaking about the uh, Rocky boxed set, and uh, people who may not want, you know, all the other Rocky movies. Well, we got the same dilemma here. Warner Brothers has just released the Superman motion picture anthology. And uh, this is a bit of a hodgepodge, i got to tell you. This is five films, including two extended cuts and more than 20 hours of extras. There is so much here, you would have to literally be from the planet Krypton to actually want to watch everything that's on here. Superman the movie, terrific. Richard Donner, love him. You know, his wife, Lauren Schuler Donner, just produced the new X-Men movie? Yes. Yeah, she's, she's, she's in the game. She doesn't like 3D either. Uh, Superman the movie, the expanded edition, thanks to Richard Donner. 
Uh, Superman 2, the Richard Lester cut. Yes, that's the Richard Lester who did the Beatles movies and uh, the knack and how to get it. And, and he eventually wound up doing a Superman movie. Very weird. Superman 2, the Donner cut before he was fired. And then on top of that, for all of you that really, really want the, the crown jewels in this uh, series, there is <laughs> Superman 3. And Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the two films which have had Marcus, Mark's laughing and he's going to cry in a moment. Two films which really have no reason to exist ever at all under any yeah, circumstances. Yeah, well, wasn't wasn't Four? Uh, uh, like they lost the rights and Canon picked up the rights. Oh, and it's terrible! Out the Quest for and peace. Superman is fighting himself, and it's just there's some and nuclear, nuclear man. It's nuclear man. It's <laughs> dreadful. It's horrible. Uh, Superman Returns is also on here, which is the uh, the Brian Singer thing that kind of tanked, and they just sort of threw that on here so they could sell something. It, really, honestly, truly, it it, it just just get, I like it. Mark wants you just want the Donner films. I want I want Superman Returns, Superman One, and, and the Donner cut of two. Yeah, that's uh, what I want. Yeah, well, they, they, those will be available independently soon enough, and that's what you want to get. Don't don't get this thing. It's it's loaded with more extras than you can shake a stick at, and uh, it's got TV specials and it's just so much stuff. And it's all it, like they, they even they even have the complete Fleischer Superman cartoons from the 1940s. That's cool. Those are cool. Well, they're great, but why put them on this? Let me see. Let me get see. them let me separately. See. Let, me see. let me see. Let me see. Anyway, yeah, whatever. I want it. Moving on. Filmmakers commentaries, the Fleischer cartoons. I'm gonna get this. You can, but you want Superman three and four, really? Well, I'd be getting Superman Quest one. For peace? I'd be <laughs> awesome. I'd be really? getting Superman. You want Richard Pryor and Robert Vaughn on a Superman set? Yes, I do. Oh, I'd dear. be getting Superman. Superman Richard two. Richard Pryor was in a Superman film. Superman one, Superman two, Superman Returns, the Fleischer stuff. We're running out of time. Yeah, but... we're running out of time. You got a bunch of things there. Huh? We got we got to talk about the company Fine. men. Oh, wait, can I, before we talk about Company Man, which actually I kind of liked, can you look at the cover? Yes. And look at the shot of Ben Affleck on the cover. Yeah, I, I know. Does that I, not look like him? It looks like he had a stroke. But Chris Cooper looks they all look like they had strokes. They really it's do. I mean, scary. look how wide Tommy Lee Jones' face is. Yeah. This wow. is a terrible Oh, look, it has a new alternate job. ending where they don't all go broke and where <laughs> Wall Street saves itself. <laughs> you know, I like this movie. I did. Did you like this movie? You know what? I I have problems with it. I think it's very well done, but I think completely divorced from reality. Uh, it, it, a lot of people criticize it for exactly the right reasons, which is that John Wells made a movie about the, the economic meltdown and how it affected people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Uh, and and we're supposed to sympathize. It's like, oh my gosh, Ben Affleck. He was he had like had a house and five cars. And, <laughs> he had like a three story house, three story house, and, 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 and a yacht. And now, my gosh, <laughs> he's got to move in with his in laws and sell his yacht. It's like it's very hard to sort of see that as emblematic of the economic meltdown. If it were about like a steel worker who lost his job or right. an auto worker, lost, then suddenly you know you'd have something that resonated a little more. But these guys is like, really, am I going to terribly feel sorry for you know Chris Cooper because he's just going to go find another job with another corporation somewhere? I mean. You know, Tommy Lee Jones in this movie, you're supposed to feel sorry for him. Why? He's, he's got more money than God. So uh, it's very hard for me to wrap you, myself it, around be okay. sympathy in this. It, you know what? As much as I hate to say this, rich people are people too. So it is possible for them to feel uh, totally crestfallen. Yeah. But it's not like the characters that John Wells, who wrote and directed it, 
Yeah. It's not like these characters are ones that you particularly as, empathize with. As a story, I'm saying for it to work as a story. I'm not making a political or a social judgment. I'm just saying as a story, you know, it's like... No, but I, I, I could get into the idea of rich people losing their jobs and, yeah, and, and, and being depressed. And, I just want to say... if I, I cared about the characters. Forget about uh, Ben Affleck, Chris Cooper, Costner, Tommy Lee Jones. Maria Bello. I love Maria Bello. This woman should be such a, a huge star. There's a new movie out called uh, uh, Beautiful Boy that she's in with Michael Sheen. People got to go see this movie. It's it's an Anchor Bay release. It's going to be in theaters for like ten minutes before it goes on a Blu-ray and DVD. I mean, it's just it's a little kind of a, a a very short release. But what a great movie! It's like it's what Blue Valentine should have been. It's about a couple who finds out that their son has not only killed himself, he was like a shooting a rampage shooter at college before he killed himself, and it's how it impacts their marriage. Unbelievable movie, it's unreal. A, yeah, yeah, it's a great film. I, she is phenomenal, phenomenal. You know what's not phenomenal? Sanctum. Oh, yeah. Now, Sanctum, uh, the studio really... Tr- Universal Sanctum kind of sank. It did. Well, because yeah. Universal really tried to shove this thing down our throats by saying yeah. it was uh, shot with like uh, Ca- uh, James Cameron's Avatar rigs, Avatar 3D rigs. So, oh my God, it's yeah, got to be good. Whoopee. And this is back when uh, everybody was really trying to push 3D down our throats. And, of course, what they don't realize is that the movie sucks. I mean, there's some, int- there's some suspenseful stuff in it. I admit it. It's underwater, and I have a... Yeah, who doesn't have a fear of drowning? So it does get a little bit uh, creepy, but it's just not a good movie. There's a lot of just, just lame father son stuff going on, and you know what? It's not in 3D, obviously, because uh, you know it's it's just a Blu-ray. Yeah, I know. It's just lame. Although if if, if you're gonna get it, I'll say this: don't 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 get the DVD. Get the Blu-ray. Um, get the Blu-ray disc with the digital copy. You're the better schmutzy. off with that. The schmutzy. But you're really better off not watching it. Uh, I got two more classic films here. And uh, then we'll let Mark wrap out with whatever time we have left on a couple of other pieces of junk. Because those are junk, both of them. Uh, the stuntman, the, the uh, trem- <laughs> you know, look, I'm sorry. If, you're gonna, if you want to see somebody actually portray what a film director really is like, or at least like in their own head, you want to watch Peter O'Toole go completely crazy in The Stuntman. Now, this is, the film dates a little bit. It's from 1979, the year that um, uh, Peter O'Toole lost Best Actor to Dustin Hoffman in Kramer vs. Kramer. Uh, Peter O'Toole has still not won an Oscar except for the honorary Oscar he got a couple of years ago. But Richard Rush, who has made very few films since, um, really made a, a hell of a classic with this. Again, dates a little bit. Tons of extras, though, on this. Thanks to MPI and Severin Films. They load this Blu-ray up. It is loaded to the gills with great stuff. Audio commentary with uh, Rush and Peter O'Toole. Steve Railsback, who plays the stuntman. Barbara Hershey, who is great. Alex Rocco. Uh, Chuck Ball. Sharon Farrell. It's terrific. You also get a feature uh, a featurette on the career of Richard Rush, which is great. Uh, Peter O'Toole looking back and a bunch of other featurette stuff that is ju- it's just wonderful. It's really, really good. And the one thing that's most important here is the famous documentary on this, the feature-length documentary, The Sinister Sta- Saga of the Making of the Stuntman. This was out on the previous Blu-ray, uh, the previous DVD special edition. It is here again on the Blu-ray. Get this. Upgrade is absolutely essential. It is a terrific Blu-ray. And then uh, lastly... Uh, Clarence Brown's Night Flight. This is an old old movie that's been people have been waiting for this on DVD forever. This is an old uh, you know thing with Myrna Loy, Lionel Barrymore, Clark Gable, Helen Hayes, John Barrymore, Robert Montgomery. Uh, I mean, an unbelievable bunch of stars all piled in here in, a, in an old classic black and white film that's really not great, but it's a nice melodrama and uh, it's got a certain kind of sweeping vintage feel to it. And, uh, you know, if you're an aviation buff, you'll, you'll love it. It's just, it, it really, it's kind of a nice trip back in time. So that's finally on DVD, not Blu-ray, and it's got a great cartoon on it, When the Cat's Away, which is almost as good as the movie. Uh, Blue Crush 2 is the uh, direct-to-DVD, uh, direct-to-Blu-ray, 
direct-to-Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy. It's the direct-to-digital copy, sequel to uh, Blue Crush. And uh, it's not very good. It's all about uh, this uh, young girl who wants to go to um, South Africa to uh, surf a big wave. And uh, there's a lot of pretty girls. The original wasn't girls. very good. Uh, that is true. Uh, right. Finally, we have, uh, as we wrap this out, we have Nicolas Cage in Drive Angry. Now, Drive Angry was another 3D film. Oh, man, did this die. This Well, because it's Nicolas Cage, and all Nicolas Cage films die. Oh, gosh. Special edition Blu-ray. Well, there it is. Well, listen, I am not on uh, Stupid for Movies this week, uh, once Thank again. God. Won't, and won't be for quite a while. But uh, do tune in uh, Thursday live, 8 p.m. at stupidformovies.com. I will be there watching as a fan for a change. So uh, for now, it's Wade and Mark signing out. See you next week.